This recording has been produced by Christchurch Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. So we um, consider your word and we consider the temptation testing of your son, Jesus. We pray that uh, we will indeed learn from him and be strengthened by his example. Lord, we ask that you expose the works of the devil in our lives, the lives of our family, in the lives of our community, and the lives of our society. We pray that you'll give us that gift of discernment. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the first <clears throat> Sunday of Lent, and um, every first Sunday of Lent is uh, a reading about the uh, testing or the testing of God's son, Jesus uh, going into the wilderness to, uh, to be tested. And um, we've already, of course, come across some of these verses uh, and some of these ideas, at least in, in Advent and uh, in previous years. Uh, we have uh, mentioned um, the, you might say, the, the biblical basis of this testing. Oftentimes we read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, which is about how God tested Israel, tested his people by leading them, uh, keeping them in the desert uh, for almost 40 years. And Deuteronomy chapter 8 tells us that the reason God did this was in order to humble them and to test them so that they may see what is in their hearts. And uh, we can also think of this in conjunction with Psalm 16, the Lord tests the righteous. All of us will be tested. Uh, and it's not that God needs to look inside or to know what's inside us. He already knows what we're made of. He already knows our weaknesses, uh, our brokenness, and even more. Yes. Okay. But this is this, the, the, the testing that we have is really uh, <clears throat> for us so that uh, we do not become proud or arrogant and in the case of Deuteronomy chapter 8 so that the people of Israel once they come into the land of promise and things begin to prosper don't uh, say to themselves and which by the way we're all tempted to do the same man I've worked hard and all of this is the result of my hard work you know I'm really something aren't I you know I built this it belongs to me God wants to remind God wants to remind uh, people uh, remind all of us okay where our blessings come from and so we're tested in order to remain <clears throat> uh, humble and the Lord tests the righteous, the righteous being that all through the scripture, um, there is a long pattern or a long tradition of God testing his, uh, those saints who will take up responsibility in uh, his house. So you might say that God's boot camp, his seminary, uh, wasn't uh, going off and getting a four-year degree somewhere, uh, some prestigious uh, institute of uh, institution of higher learning 
his uh, uh, way of preparing his people was send them to the desert so that they may that there may be a humility there may be an understanding that one must always depend on God and that uh, those who go to the desert will be, you might say, separated from the world and the distractions of the world so that they can hear God's voice. Okay? So the desert is God's great seminary. And if you are in seminary, I highly commend you. But uh, when you finish, take a grad, make a, do a graduate degree or do a... Uh, do follow-up study by going to the desert, not literally, okay? Those are, this is the, the context of, of the temptation. This is certainly of the, of the temptation of Jesus. Jesus is tested like um, Elijah and David and Moses and uh, the people of Israel themselves. And um, this testing, of course, takes place in the wilderness, a place of danger and a place of, uh, a place of risk. <clears throat> the temptations that we read today uh, are a matter of very interesting debate. Are the temptations that uh, Jesus faced, are they relevant to us? Okay, do they connect with us? Do they say something to us? Or are they only telling us, about, telling us something about Jesus and his unique identity? And sometimes you read, uh, scholars or commentaries, and oftentimes they'll say, well, this has really nothing to do with us. I mean, it's, uh, this is simply about Jesus. But for those who argue that position, I actually think, um, I think they're wrong. And uh, what I think is important uh, in this passage, uh, the passage of this, this temptation passage, there, there is a number of... Um, of just actually two or three, well, you have to have three, okay, three, three points that you want to um, bring out. But if I only get to two, forgive me, okay? You can uh, hurt, tune into the podcast next year for the third one. What's, what's relevant for us in this? What, how, does this how does this speak to us? And I think one of the things uh, that we should um, consider and consider carefully is the role of the devil in this, the role of Satan. And um, without going into the whole debate whether Satan is, is, exists or if it's only a metaphor, I'm going to uh, trust the scripture and believe, not only from what I read in God's word, but from what I've seen in my experience, that there is, there is a devil. There is a Satan that uh, this Satan um, is sometimes, especially in our circles, uh, he gets too much credit. Everything that happens, happens because of the devil. Um, and oftentimes in other Christian circles and other denominations, he gets virtually no credit at all. And I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that the, one of the biggest tricks of, the, uh, of Satan himself is to convince us that he's behind everything or to convince us that he doesn't exist. So the, the, the devil doesn't appear on every page of the New Testament. He's certainly an important figure. He's certainly waging war against the saints. He's certainly trying to stop Jesus. 
He's tempting Jesus at this point, but it also says that he goes, he goes away and that uh, he will only return. Uh, Luke will emphasize that he only returns uh, at the time of the crucifixion where Satan enters Judas uh, in, an attempt to, uh, in an attempt to kill Jesus. So we don't have the devil on every page, although we have um, uh, in places Jesus working, uh, doing deliverance or casting demons uh, out of people. So I'm not going to try to minimize or to uh, overemphasize the, the role of the devil. But um, this temptation surely, I would hope, would remind us of the temptation of, uh, of Adam and Eve, because there's a lot of similarities between the two. And those similarities uh, should give us a pause, uh, a pause for, for thought. So the devil himself, what power does he have? What influence does he have on the world? And his, the, his biggest power, his biggest weapon, you might say, the thing that allows him to, to get away with what he gets away with is the fact that he's a liar. That at, at, he is a liar. And his lies kill. Jesus said he's a liar and a killer from the beginning. How did he kill Adam? How did he bring Adam? He didn't physically take a knife and stab Adam, but he lied and tricked that Adam and Eve into being disobedient. And in the process of being disobedient, it brings about Adam's death. And that power to lie and deceive and distort is still with us. And we should take a lesson here, I believe, from, uh, from how Jesus deals with the devil. And I'll give you a hint. It's not as easy as saying, I'm going to quote a Bible verse. You know, the devil comes, I'll just take out my trusty sword and I'll stab him with a verse. It doesn't work that way. It, does ba it is based on the word of God and we must use the scripture. But we must be willing, okay, to um, see, see through the lie. And second, we must be willing... We must be willing or we must have the vision to say no. You can't say yes to the devil, believe the lie, and then quote Bible verses. It won't work. And so where does the temptation come from? I mean, does, is the temptation something Satan brings or is there something within us? And even the story of Adam and Eve, isn't it true that Eve as a human being, Adam as a human being, uh, there's a certain restlessness about them. There's a certain restlessness about us. There's a certain sense in which we're never satisfied and we're always looking for something more. I mean, they're in the garden and it's perfect. It can't get much better. They have no excuse. There's no racism, <clears throat> there's no poverty, there's no economic injustice. They didn't have a, a mother-in-law that hated them. They didn't have a father who abused them. Uh, you know, what excuse do they have? Nothing. And yet they still want something more, All right? Is that not part of the human condition that we want and we're never satisfied? You know, in the words of Saint Bono, you know, the Irish saint, the patron saint of Ireland, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
Yes. And along comes the devil. I don't think the devil has to create that. It's something that's there. And the devil uses, takes what's there, which by the way, all of this desire, all of this longing, all of this wanting something more can be positive in the human experience. But the devil takes what's, what's there and the devil lies and distorts. And in particular, the devil will lie and distort God's word. And that's where we have to be really careful because we look at the, just at a, at a very, I'm not gonna do it in a very deep way because of the time, but if we look, we take, we look at it in a very um, cursory way. Uh, now the serpent, serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did, first of all, of course, I think all of, we know, all of us know this, did God really say? Did God really say? Yes? How many times have we heard this? Does the Bible really say? Yes, does it really say this? Or are you, is this some, you know, bad interpretation you've received? Okay. Um, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees uh, in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Does God say you must not touch it? No, he never said any such thing. Eve adds that. Where how she adds that, why she adds that, I don't know. But what does she do? She actually creates or intensifies her desire. She intensifies her longing. She intensifies this, oh, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. I'm, I can't even touch it, okay? And here's where the devil, you know, God, someone once said God creates the world in six days, six literal days, six metaphorical days. God takes a while in creating the world, but the devil undoes, undoes it or destroys it in two lines. That's how simple, okay? Uh, and how destructive uh, this is. So what are the, so did God really say? And so here comes the, say, here comes the devil. Um, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So I'd like to just point out that uh, so here the devil distorts and he misinterprets or reinterprets and he will always reinterpret scripture and he will reinterpret God's word in such a way that it will appeal to our brokenness. It will appeal to what we long for or what we struggle with. And more often than not, by the way, there's a shortcut involved in this which maybe we'll come back to. The devil may be evil, but he's not stupid. And his lies are not stupid. And more often than not, while uh, on one hand, these lies appeal to all humans, but more often than not, they're also tailor-made. 
for each one of us. Okay? Uh, and we need, to be, uh, we need to be very careful of that. So the first thing I think to notice is, well, not only this, uh, does Satan distort, does Satan cast doubt about God's revelation? But secondly, yes, we find that Eve herself has distorted what God has said. And then Satan almost always comes, the father of lies, as Jesus calls him, a liar from the beginning. Satan almost always comes with some future promise. Yes, you know, the past we can be grateful for, uh, the present, um, course is something that um, we should um, and these are words of C.S. Lewis but it's the it's the future it's the future that becomes uh, the place where the, the thing that we long for and what we hope for and where we have a fear or an anxiety about what's going to happen to us and more often than not as it was in the temptation of Jesus Satan promises something in the future. For Jesus, he promised all the kingdoms of the world. You can have all of this, just worship me. And for Eve, you know, again, there, there is this restlessness within us. There is this desire within us. And he appeals to it by saying, you can be like God. And here's the, Here's another thing that we have to think of. Whether it's a temptation in the garden or the whole temptation of idolatry or the temptation that Jesus faces, what is so often being put in front of us? What is, what is the temptation? The temptation, and this may sound a little uh, unusual at first, the, the temptation is for us to escape being human and to try to become God in some way or another. Now we're made in the image of God. That's our identity. And God saw it and it was good. My dear friends, can we be comfortable? Can we celebrate the fact that we're human? That we're created by God and we're in God's image, but we're not God. We are not God. And yet, all through human history, there is this grasping for divinity, this wanting to become God, okay? And the incarnation is something just the opposite, as God becomes flesh and lives amongst us in order to, for, to, uh, for us to identify with him. And so Eve has this desire, I'm going to become God. I'm going to become God-like. I, I I'm not happy with living in a paradise, Okay, I want something more. And the same is true with Jesus. Is it not true? Jesus becomes human and wants and is, has to live the full human experience. And what does Satan come to him and say? Take a shortcut. Take a shortcut. You know, use your divine power to make yourself more comfortable or to make things easier for yourself. And Jesus says, no. Adam and Eve say yes to that temptation. Jesus says no. And of course, all through the scripture and all through human history, we have uh, this urge 
to, some, to be something more than human, something more than God, something more than uh, the people who God has made us to be. And so you have folks building these towers, yes, in, in Genesis, you know, in Genesis uh, 11, trying to, to reach the heavens. And you have idolatry, and idolatry is taking what is created and turning it into the divine. Um, whether it's animals or humans, and worshiping uh, those things. And of course, the fruit of, uh, the fruit of that uh, approach is uh, Psalm 115, in which God says, uh, we become what we worship. You know, we become what we worship. You know, worship technology, and uh, we will become amoral. Worship nature, and uh, we'll become as cruel and as heartless as nature is, okay? This is the warning that God gives us. And Jesus faces the same temptation. And Jesus has to say to that temptation, he has to say, uh, he has to say no. And the the Jesus, you might say that Jesus saying no to, to all of this, he isn't waving a magic wand and saying, okay, what Jesus is, says, he says no to the devil, but he says yes to faithfulness. He says yes to faithfulness. He says yes to obedience. So that when we too struggle with the devil, and when we too, when we too have the scripture distorted, or when, someone, when we're lied to, or we're deceived, or we feel that urge in our heart, you know, in some ways to take a shortcut, to leave the road of faithfulness and long obedience and to in some way engage in self-indulgence or to medicate our pain. You know, the devil comes to you, you know, you're, uh, you've suffered, you've been in terrible positions and a terrible, terrible situation, you know, what's happened to your family, look what's happened to your people, look what's, whatever. Um, And that medication may take uh, the form of an idolatry, the idolatry of the nation state, the idolatry of being of an ethnicity, my people being better than, uh, you know, other people, the idolatry of food or alcohol pornography, whatever, uh, whatever it may be. Satan comes and wants us to take that shortcut. Yes, Satan wants us to leave the long walk of obedience. And Jesus says no. He says no. He uses scripture, but he can use scripture because he's already determined that he's not going to, he's not going to fall for it. And we too can use scripture and should use scripture when the devil comes and lies to us. But we must be determined, yes, to call evil evil and to see, to see, you know, you might say the designs and the tricks of the devil. Now, how do we do that? Yes. Um, It says in Genesis 3.17 that uh, when God speaks to Adam, he says, you know, the real issue here is you listen to your, the voice of, of Eve. I don't think, by the way, this is not something ab- about women, against women, uh, 
let's leave all that aside. Adam was standing there when, ate, when Eve ate the apple. So Adam was culpable. In fact, Adam probably never told Eve, apparently, or may, he didn't tell her in, in the right way. So Adam is held responsible, yes, but it says because you listen to the voice of your wife, meaning you listen to a voice that wasn't God's voice. And if we're going to avoid deception, we, matter, we, we, we surely must make sure that we're not listening to other voices, that we're not listening to the voice, the, bro- the brokenness in our heart. We can acknowledge our pain. We can acknowledge trauma. We shouldn't hide it. We shouldn't. But that shouldn't be the, the, the overwhelming voice or the voice that screams at us. Okay. Ultimately, it should be God's voice. And how do, we how do we hear God's voice? By not just reading the scripture, but by meditating on the scripture. By doing Psalm 1, that the scripture should not depart from us day and night. And I must confess that uh, that's not something I can do or do very easily. And probably most of us don't do very easily. But by meditating on God's word and keeping God's word always, you might say, front and center. I think the other thing that's important in all of this, with the way we um, engage with the enemy, is that we, should, we must never, never have a dialogue with evil, okay? Jesus doesn't have a long discussion with, with, with the devil in any place. Jesus isn't interested, and neither, are the, and neither is the New Testament, in where evil comes from, and all kinds of cosmological speculation Okay, what the New Testament emphasizes is that the devil is defeated. The devil is defeated by the cross, the devil is defeated by the resurrection, and the devil is defeated when we say no. Okay, when we refuse, for example, to, when, we, when we refuse to uh, take revenge on somebody, when we uh, refuse to click on the porn site, that's when Satan is defeated. Yes, uh, when we choose to forgive, that's a defeat for Satan. When we give a glass of cold water to someone who's thirsty, okay? That's what it means, by the way, too, for spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is more than just shaking a Bible in the air and, and uh, telling the devil to, to go away. We have to have that determination, but we have to decide we're not going to engage. You know what Paul says? Resist temptation. Flee from temptation, meaning... Make a stand, stop the dialogue, stop trying to figure out where evil comes from, that, uh, what spirit controls what part of your, your, you know, your bedroom. You know, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we, we must make sure that we're listening to God's voice um, in order that we're not deceived. We must make sure that uh, we're not engaging uh, with the demonic in the wrong way. And third, we have to just make that to remember not everything is demonic. That we as human beings are very complicated. Uh, and uh, we can be easily, easily deceived. Again, we will do everything, almost anything, to make ourselves comfortable, to, to indulge ourselves, to take a shortcut, to justify ourselves this is what it means to be human. This is to be a fallen human being, 
This, on one hand, is very deadly and very dangerous and very destructive. And on the other hand, it, uh, once we're redeemed and renewed by the Holy Spirit, these are the very same things uh, that um, can uh, be used by God to, to bring him great glory and to bring us you know, great, great, great satisfaction. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do not want to be deceived. We do not want to be deceived by our brokenness, by the culture in which we live. Uh, we do not want to be deceived by Satan himself. We pray that uh, you will give us the desire to meditate upon your word, that your word <clears throat> will uh, be stored up in our hearts, that your word will be treasured by us, and that truly it'll be a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. And Lord, we pray that uh, you will give us wisdom, that when we are indeed tempted, that we will have the will and the desire to say no um, and to uh, resist the devil so that he may flee from us. Help us, Lord. We ask that you look upon our weaknesses, which are many. Uh, you look upon uh, the fact that we may be lazy or the fact that uh, we, uh, some of us, are addicted in one way or another. Free us, we pray, from these things and uh, bring us into a place of wholeness and holiness. For the sake of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem by clicking the Donate Now button on our Facebook page. Thank you and blessings from the City of the King.